1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Gavin Friedman, who's the co-founder of the Saw Institute of Executive Coaching. Um, Our topic is Finding Our Why. Now, the power of the human spirit is to become an active partner in our lives, not simply a casual bystander. And I have just been spending a bit of time with Ian Bessarabia and uh, Gavin talking outside. And I'm very excited to have you here today because what we were speaking about has actually fueled my fire. Fantastic. So welcome, Gavin. Thank you. You know that uh, Einstein said, when you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, not to the people or an object. What What is your answer to that?
2: I think there is is there there is so much in it in terms of if you want to live a happy life, the first thing you have to do is you have to ask yourself, are you willing to be happy? And I know that sounds, sounds crazy because everyone probably out there is saying, of course, they want to be happy. But when you ask them, are you happy? They'll tell you, yes, but I could be happier. So they they tie it to situations. They tie it to people. They tie it to conditions. They give reasons, justifications, and excuses of why they are happy or they're not happy. Yet happy is an intrinsic part. Happiness is something inside of us versus something outside of us. The part about the goal I'd maybe expand a little bit on in just in terms of linguistically and language-wise I think a goal is an outward-looking thing. Uh, so tying it to a goal means that my life would be fulfilled if I achieve something. There is a beautiful understanding is that it's not the goal. It's the process of the unfolding. Mm-hmm. If you achieve the goal, you achieve the goal. We don't even know whether that goal is truly ours. But when we achieve it, we see it and we say, oh, great, we've got it. Now what's next? So uh, being happy is the fundamental starting point. Not attaching it to everyone else is the critical condition. Thereafter, whatever manifests in your life, enjoy the celebration of it. It may be a new car, a better job, a home or whatever. But the natural thing is once we've reached that, in our humanity and in our consciousness, we always go, what's next? It's not a level of being unfulfilled. It's the natural product of who we are. Human beings are designed to look for more and more and more, not to fulfill us. But as an action of evolution, as an action of expansion, as an action of expressing our joy and our vitality.
1: That's a beautiful answer. And I want to go back to your own uh, story. You were an engineer by profession, mm. and then what happened to you that you actually began to look at life differently?
2: So, the, the journey between, from an engineer to here is 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 one of i don't think different from anyone else's life i think all of all of humanity all of us go through quintessential moments that redefine us i i had a couple of events in my life that got me to to look and and just say to who am i to ask that fundamental question who am i what do i want where am i going what is my purpose in this world and i just started to unfold from there is that I'm here to increase my own consciousness, my own level of awareness about life, and it was a gift that I wanted to give to other people, and that is that became a calling. Is is, is maybe a, a, a extrinsic view, but that just became the internal driver. That became for me to sh- to live. My purpose was to get into a space where I could help people to expand their spaces. And so, mm, so
1: just going back a moment, what did actually do? You mind sharing with us what happened?
2: I no, I can, I can share. So. About – probably about 16, 16 years ago, um, myself and my wife, we had a carjacking. And I, I'm probably the quintessential opposite of any Jewish story because at the particular time, I had a visa for Australia, I had family in Australia, and I had a job in Australia. We we got uh, – we went through the, the event, and it became a natural a natural choice. And and at the time, I had no explanation for it other than looking back now. It was just guided by a higher force, a, the universe, whatever, driving me in a particular way. But even with all of that, after the, the two of us had got carjacked, we, we chose to stay in South Africa. I chose. So it was I, a conscious choice. Yeah. I mean, I looked at my wife and we, we discussed it. And we both felt that going to Australia was not the option for us. We didn't know what we were going to do then. Uh, Shortly after that, she gave up her corporate job, opened up uh, an MPO, and today has probably influenced in excess of 300,000 previously disadvantaged kids who Mm -hmm. are abandoned, abused, vulnerable. Her her own story is is inspirational in itself. And then, you know, for me, it just started – something started to unfold. I started to look into personal development, and something clicked. And, and I think that is the big thing is that when something clicks inside of you is to recognize that that is part of your purpose. That is part of your why. So many of us live extrinsically. We get told, go and do this, go and become an accountant, go and become a lawyer, mm-hmm. get the kids, get the house, get the car. Now I'm not saying that's, that's wrong in life. I'm saying that when that is the focus, often our lives are unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. When it's, when that is a byproduct of doing what we love. That is at the highest level of fulfillment. We want to liberate ourselves to live a life that brings us joy, not enslave ourselves to something that we think one day will bring us joy.
1: That is so true. And Simon Sinek actually talks about his why statement, which is to inspire people to do what inspires them so that together... We can change our world for the better.
2: Absolutely, when when we recognise that life is about we and not me, mm-hmm. and now this this often gets misconstrued is because it's not about in sacrifice of yourself to the greater good. Simon Sinek says it perfectly: to inspire himself, mm-hmm. first he has to be inspired Absolutely. to inspire others. And w- it's not about w- when you are in service. You are never looking at the other person because you recognize you're doing it for yourself. When you are in sacrifice, then you're starting to say things for all that I do for you. I do this because of this for you. Mm. That is not service. So you're
1: expecting something
2: you, back. You, you're being transactional. Mm. And so often in relationships, love becomes transactional. I'll do this if you do that. I'll do this if you do that. Our relationship will work if you behave in such a manner. That is not holding yourself complete. That is saying to someone, you have to do something in order for me to feel complete. And that that really is when the weight of that starts to drag a relationship down.
1: That's so true. So you chose to go into coaching, but you do a particular type of coaching called ontological coaching, yeah. which is incredibly fascinating. Will you just explain it, please?
2: For sure. So So ontology is the the philosophy of the way of being. And it goes all the way back to Aristotle. And it's it's all about it's all about looking at your life from a sense of meaning and purpose. We're going to get back to that. This is Finding Human with
0: Sue Jackson only on one or one point nine high FM.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with Gavin Friedman and our topic is finding our why. Now you can SMS us on 34519 or you can Telegram us on um, I don't have my te- Oh here we are 0618951019 Now Gavin was About to explain to us what ontology Is and then I have another question on, For him but let's Stick to ontology right. for now
2: So, So ontology As I was saying is the philosophy Of being Everything that happens in our life comes from our way of being. When I say our way of being, our way of being is, is a coherence between three domains, our language, what we're saying externally and internally. And language is, language is not only generative. It also creates our reality. So we can be sitting here right now. We can have a different narrative, a different story of what is transpiring I'm feeling very inspired So my language would be inspirational It's joyful I'm, I'm really having fun here So my way of being right now is light and easy So mm. my language would be light and easy The next aspect is our moods and emotions How we feeling at any one given time Is going to shape the language we say So our moods and emotions come into play And then last one is our physiology Our biology Our, our body How we carry ourselves How we shape ourselves And if you look at it our physiology often, well not often, it's, it's a guarantee, our physiology will literally take on a continuous emotional set point. You, you see people of a certain age, their bodies will start to shape the way they see and describe the world. You'll see someone who feels that they've carried the world on their shoulders. By the age of 70, they're almost a hunchback because mm-hmm. their body has felt the weight of all of that and it moves in that way. Our emotions and our language literally and the science of, if you look at the, the teachings and, and the brilliant work that a guy by the name of Joe Dispenza is doing in terms of healing, you can, we can see from epigenetics, epigenetics that we are literally shaped by our thoughts and emotions. We are not predetermined by what we think we are in terms of how we are. We are predetermined by the way we feel we are. And the more we feel, so our body takes the shape of that. And it's in the understanding that of the coherence between what we're saying, what we're feeling, and how we carry ourselves, that starts to shape the way of being the observer that we are. And through the ontological coaching, what I do is, or what my company, our company does, is that we look at all three of those domains. And if you just shift the body, you can shift the language. A body that is hunched over is going to have a complete different view of the world to a body that's standing upright and erect,
1: it's so strange you Well, not strange But it's interesting that you say that We were watching the voice the other night My husband and I And there was a young girl Who was particularly good She was about 14 And beautiful voice And afterwards My husband said to me Gosh, look at her Look at her hunched shoulders mm. And it said it all yeah. You know, she, this voice was beautiful But in her eyes and in her body posture You could see that she had no belief in herself
2: no. at all Absolutely And that. You know, one of the biggest things in, in life is we don't get what we desire. We get who we are. Because if we if life gave us what we desired, we would have no poverty. There is very few people who are living in poverty who would tell you, I want to be in poverty, I don't want to have money. But we get who we are, our way of being. And our relationships simply reflect who we are being at any one given time. And what we're experiencing today is not something that is new, is just a manifestation of who we are being the minute before, the hour before, the day before, the year before. And this is why so many people struggle, is they get stuck. They get stuck in one moment, and they don't transition. So if you think of it from um, the perspective of what we were talking about, my event, Um I'm not stuck there anymore. When, when people ask me about that event, uh, yes, I, w- I will speak about it, but it, it doesn't hold me. Mm. Um, it was a turning it, point. It was, uh, it, it, to the degree, and, and, and as crazy as this will sound, is that I will tell you today with, with absolute truth and sincerity, that two angels, two angels came to my car and put a gun against our head. Because my life has never been more fulfilled, never been more exciting, never been more invigorating, From the day that those two angels came and said to me, wake up. You are living a life that is inauthentic. Wake up and see who you truly are.
1: And it's been a journey. That's an amazing way of looking at it. Uh, Having been held up myself uh, a couple of times, um, I don't think I have managed to transition into thinking of them as angels.
2: (laughs) You know, and it wasn't something I consciously did. It was something that just became aware to me is that if that event hadn't happened, We wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm. The the people's lives I would have have impacted to date would not have happened. Now,
1: mm. strangely enough, when we were uh, hijacked, my husband and I and my daughter at one stage, um, we also we had an opportunity to go to uh, Australia and we discussed it. And um, my husband said, you know what, we believe very much in, in reincarnation. And he said, you know what, I'll be sent back here anyway, so I might as well stay here and uh, get on with my life and make that, a difference.
2: Perfect. You know, we, 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 when we recognize that there is a bigger meaning to everything, it helps us to transcend it, number one. And number two is, and this is not about whether our whole people who immigrate right or wrong. So please, people no, listening out there, don't need to SMS and, and say yes, but I, whatever your choice is is whatever your choice is. The one fundamental thing is, Wherever you go, you take yourself. Mm -hmm. You can be in Australia. If you were unhappy in South Africa, you will find a reason to be unhappy in Australia. You can then move to the UK and you'll be unhappy there. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, you take yourself. It is not about the country that is going to bring you joy. Joy is going to be inside of you, and then it's irrelevant what country you live in.
1: That is very true. Now, in your engineering, you were actually in the medical field. Yeah. So you understand DNA and um, epigenetics and everything. Now, one of the other things that you did mention, Ed, which I had not known about, was agathist. What is agathist, uh, according to ontological coaching?
2: So... so <laughs> I had to look it up, uh, and I see
1: it said uh, it was a Greek word that meant good.
2: Yeah, so so, not from an ontological perspective. It's a word that 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 found me and it really resonated with me. Is that an agathist is 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 a person who believes everything tends to the good. Not being Pollyanna, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you don't reflect. It doesn't mean you don't look. You just live into the understanding that nothing happens. Without it tending to be the best version of yourself, to the highest good of yourself. And I live into that. Is, you know, listen, life happens. You know, I'm not immune to life. There will be painful times. I do experience pain, but I will look at the pain and recognize it in its purest form. Pain is there to refine me.
1: So an optimist would look at it and say, this is for the best. Yeah. So you look at it and say, what is for my good?
2: Yeah. So an optimist would say, okay, this will work out. So being an optimist, you say, yeah, this will work out and you'll carry it through. And Agatha says everything that happens in our life tends to to be for the greater good. And when something is for the greater good, you just live into that. You, you don't resist it. You, an optimist will say things work out, but they may be. Blindly optimistic. I'm not blindly optimistic. I will deal with what's in front of me, but I know that what's in front of me right now is refining me to my highest good. And anyone who sits in front of me from a coaching perspective, that is a large context that I come from is that you are not suffering a unnecessarily, but you are suffering because you are resisting. There is a a, a very simple thing in life is that pain is inevitable. Things will happen. Mm. People will die, people will immigrate, things will go wrong, you will fail. Not everything's going to be perfect. But pain is inevitable. Suffering is man-made.
1: Mm. That's interesting. We'll get back to that.
2: This is Finding Human
0: with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 high FM.
1: This is Sue Jackson, and my guest today is Gavin Friedman. And if you'd like to SMS us, we'd love to hear from you on 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. We're talking about ontological coaching and training, and we're going to uh, answer a few questions as well that came through. This says... Gavin, brilliant, I'm in, I'm inspired, literally sitting up straight uh, in my car. That was from Warren. And then, sorry, Craig's moving the speaker around for me. Then this is from Michael. Three armed robberies, beaten up and stabbed. I was protected by angels, but my insights were different. Even post-therapy, I still shut down. So yeah, you are very fortunate to have come uh, to help others. That was from Mike. So what he says is very honest, that hmm. he says he shut down. And I think that is something that so often we do tend to do to sure. protect ourselves. How would you uh, deal with something like that?
2: You know, the, the, the first part of the conversation would be around n- to, to come to the understanding and not in the, in the fact that there is a punishment. There is nothing punitive that's going on right now is that we're living in a world that that reflects who we are. And it's, it's important to understand that when these things have happened, they've happened in a construct of you finding yourself. Now, the more... We, we go through life and there are little knocks on the door. You know, Joseph Campbell, I don't know if any, if you've read the work of Joseph Campbell. No. A beautiful, beautiful man and he, and he, his insight into life is fantastic and maybe this is a, an opportunity to look at it, but Joseph Campbell speaks of the hero's journey. And it's, it's called the hero's journey because he spent his, a, a huge portion of his life researching and, um, the various religions and constructs of tribes, And there was one fundamental thing that came about was we all go through life in, in a way. You can take the story of Joseph, take the story of Moses. In any of the biblical sense, always the hero's journey. The hero, and we all are heroes in our own life, and, and, I, and I really want to enforce that, is that you are not outside of your life. You are your life. As much as people think life is happening to them, it's not it's not happening to them, it's happening for them. They're an active participant in their life. But so Joseph Campbell goes on and he says, We get a call. And the call starts off sometimes just as a little knock. Now, for me, that little knock was you know what, I'm doing really well in my career, but something's missing. And then I started to resent my work and, and I wouldn't I, I you know, as successful as I was, there was something there that just said, it just wasn't right. And I ignored that. And then the knock gets a little louder. Somewhere along the line, I have a a car accident. And I say, geez, that was a close close call. You know, life is short. Best I follow it. And I ignore that. I go back to work. And I'm talking about in general, not just Mm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And we go back into our routines and we ignore it and we become complacent. And we think, you know, people will tell you, you know, shit happens, so to speak, and life carries on. But it's not, that's not what it is. And, And in Joseph Campbell's analogy is that we go deeper and deeper and eventually life gives us a major call. And this wasn't my first gun to my head. This was the second one. The first one I ignored. Mm-hmm. I just brushed it off. Oh, I'm a South African and moved on. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then the universe, or God, whatever, chose to give it to me again in a different context to really wake me up. So by no means am I making light of any of these situations. It's about recognizing that these are just ways of refining you to get into a higher consciousness about yourself and about life. And sometimes it can be brutal. But it's not about shutting down. My invitation is look at it for yourself and say, how is this an invitation for me to move towards a higher consciousness? Mm. What is available for me to see this differently? And, you know, the people I've worked with, some of them have had, as a woman, had a traumatic experience being gang raped or something. They've transitioned the meaning. They found a new meaning in that. And their lives have been liberated from there. And it takes huge courage. Huge courage. So with Joseph Campbell, he goes, We have the call. Then we get to the threshold. And the threshold means we have to transition and we have to accept that call. Once we accept that call, we go into the belly of the whale. Commonly from the Bible story of Jonah mm. and the whale. It gets called, you go into it, the dark night of the souls. Mm-hmm. We have many stories of this. Mm-hmm. And then where we go and the reason why we go into the dark night of the souls is to find what they call the rebirth. We find something intrinsically inside of ourselves that is our gem, our uniqueness, our purpose. And allows us to find the yeah. light. And then we move into the light. Mm-hmm. And they, they often say that the gap and the length of the the dark night of the souls is the gap between what you believe about yourself to believing the true divinity that you are. And when those two match, you move out of the dark night of the souls. You you are reborn in with a new identity. You see a new world. You transition back into your life having transformed. And then the beautiful thing is life will give you another calling Mm. because we are forever evolving. That is what we're here for. Mm. Consciousness, ourselves, are forever evolving to the highest version of ourselves. And, yeah, it's 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 tough at the time. Shutting down is not why we're here. Mm. Use it as a call to see what is your next. What is your next for you?
1: And, you know, um, Victor Frankl talks about the demand quality of life. And how every moment of our lives we are questioned by life, and you and I can walk out of here, and we don't know what what the next Mm. hour holds for us. So we can be knocked. We can, you know, we uh, nothing really prepares us for the next step. It is that demand quality that is the whole time calling us. It's that call, Adam. Where are you? Correct. You
2: know that. And and even in that, you know, when. When you look at it from, from my perspective, it says, Adam, where are you? It's, it's about you finding yourself. It's about you returning home to God. Not in the, in the greater sense of going home in, in the final death. About you finding your true humanity. Mm-hmm. You finding who you are. When you can boldly declare, I am. And you know what follows that I am as the expression of your divinity. That is when you're truly in alignment. And that is what the ontological coaching is about, is to really understand who I am. And when you say I am and what follows that, let that shape your life in the most empowered way.
1: Now, that that's, that's very powerful. And there was a question that came through from someone and it's. Um, she said that she's 75 years old. She had a very productive um, working career. She's retired. Her children have immigrated. And she is finding it difficult to get up in the morning. Now, in other words, she is saying that she, at one stage she was very productive. Right now she's got no meaning for life. How would you coach
2: someone like that? First thing I would say is fantastic. Fantastic. The fact that at 75 you have the awareness within yourself that there could be more is the most beautiful invitation. It's just life has given you the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not dead. Mm. I'm not
1: dead. I am 75, and let's see what's next.
2: And and you know what the beautiful thing is? We we Statistically, yes, there may be an end of time for her closer to someone who's at 25, but we don't know this for sure. Statistically, yes, but in reality, life can do what life does. And for her, it's about saying, okay, so where, where can I be of service to myself and to others? Mm-hmm. And we are always there. I've dealt with many executives. 75, they've, tron- they've left their work and they're and they, they exhausted because they gave so much of themselves. Now it's time to live your own life. Whether it's traveling, whether it's finding a, a a new friendship, whether it's picking up a new thing, and I'm not so worried about like a hobby. A hobby is a more external thing. It's about starting to ask, answer the questions of who am I,
1: and In, looking at the existential values of life.
2: Exactly, exactly. There's there's no more to chase from the external. Mm-hmm. Now's a beautiful opportunity to find what's inside of you, mm-hmm. to literally live your uniqueness, your purpose, and you know what. You you spoke about Viktor Frankl and moment to moment. If we could only realize that life is not run in the years and, you know, people talk about January, New Year and come Rosh Hashanah and they look at New Year's. Ultimately, life is a transition of one moment to the next. That's all we ever have. We have this moment and it's transitioning to the next moment to the next moment, to the next moment. And yet we want to project so far in the future that we are never in the moment. And that's where life passes us by.
1: And that's when the fear comes in also, the fear of of what's on the other side of that threshold. Mm. Do you know that yesterday I was writing and um, a bird, uh, a dove, flew into the window pane at a hell of a pace anyway and, and dropped to the floor. I shot outside, not, get, not about to go and give it a uh, mouth to mouth, but to just to go and see how it was. And as I bent down to actually pick it up, because it was crumpled at the bottom, it suddenly puffed itself up and flew away. And I thought, you know how, what an amazing analogy of life. How often do we hit that window pane, crumple to the ground, Often we don't have someone about to come and pick us up. We've got to pick ourselves up and fly off, Absolutely. and and find another perch somewhere. And, you know,
2: and, and and that is that is the profoundness of life. Is that nothing happens per chance? The fact that that happened for you to relay that story now in this interview is exactly what was meant to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and so often we feel that there's no one there for us. But here is the thing: life is always there supporting us when we abandon when we say life has abandoned us life never abandons us and i'm calling life in the greatest scheme of things we are always held and supported by life we choose not life we choose to stay crumpled we choose to stay in that moment a bird an animal or whatever even if you go to the krüger park and i love the bush and you see a uh, impala for example uh, that has been chased or nearly caught by a lion it will take It'll take a few seconds. It shakes itself off and it moves on. Human beings want to draw a line in the sand and say, that's it. My life is here. And then 30 years later, they're still living that event. Nature knows that things will happen. You shrug it off and you move on.
1: Now, Gavin, a lot of people actually, especially we've just come through the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And so the question always is, uh, on my program often, you know, how can bad things happen to good
2: people? Sure. You're opening up such a, such a beautiful conversation. From my perspective, okay, there's no such thing as bad. Because from the fundamental reason is that I don't believe that God makes mistakes. That you know, so
1: you believe strongly in God, in a divinity. In, in a
2: divinity, absolutely. Mm. In a higher power. In a higher power. And I don't believe whether it's life, the universe, whatever people want to call it, makes mistakes. Things happen, and we, we want to take a snapshot. It's like building a big puzzle. You know, if a particular piece of that puzzle is missing, the puzzle is incomplete. Mm. We don't know what the greater picture of life is. So much has come out of that. Yes, there was suffering, and I'm not I'm not taking away the brutality of some of those acts. But again, it's for me, it does not happen per chance. It does not happen that it's just a willy-nilly event that bad things happen to good people because – things happen how can we go back and change it and say it can't happen mm-hmm. and we all have our own reference points what we deem or what one culture deems to be a bad thing do they then look at another culture who's suffering the same thing and provide the same level of empathy and that very seldom mm-hmm. we sometimes see a culture that's gone through one trauma and they'll hold on to that trauma and say look how we've suffered but they don't take that learning And I'm being very general because Mm. some people are moved. Mm. They don't take that learning and say, but why are we allowing another culture to go through what we went through when we know the ills of this? Maybe it was a calling for a a higher level of consciousness to Mm. come through. And humanity missed that opportunity.
1: We, and we don't know, we can question and question, but it's what we do with our lives that really. Correct. Ultimately how we reach out to other people and interact with the world around us. And that's, I think, a very big part of, of ontological coaching, isn't it? Is
2: interaction. It's, it's understanding that the quality of your relationship stem from you. Every relationship is just an expression of who you are. Now, when I talk about relationships, I'm not only talking about intimate relationships or marriage relationships. We are in relationship to life. We are in relationship to the world. We are in relationship to each other. And even going back to the Holocaust is that it questions our relationship to the world, to everything. Mm -hmm. And we, it's all about us from a fundamental point of view. Until we make an empowered meaning, until we make the choice of how we're going to show up, we will We will always be looking externally, expecting the world to meet us. The world will not meet us. Mm-hmm. You know, I said to, to someone a, uh, a couple of days ago, when you choose yourself, life will choose you and follow suit. we got to stop looking externally, looking for reasons that are going to shape us. We shape our reality. Reality doesn't shape us.
1: So, on that note the one of the other questions was somebody whose children have moved to a remedial school from a, a private school and are, are finding that they 're not fitting into either their friends are at the private uh, the school that they 've lived they don 't feel that they quite fit in with this and they, they, there's there's sort of a stigma mm-hmm. attached now how would you deal with would do you you do deal with children? I know in your yep. coaching as well so how would you deal with something like that
2: so so firstly Children are resilient, and they're a lot more open to change than than adults are. And often, when a child is feeling this level of disconnection to others, is because they're carrying the weight of what the parents are feeling. the The first thing I would say in coaching the parents would be: recognize your children aren't broken. Whatever school they're at, they're at, and even the construct of remedial school is shaping their child. Mm-hmm. Today, we're seeing. That conventional education is so mismatched with the, the, the children of today. It really we, is. Are, we are really trying to fit a antiquated system onto an entire new way. You know, I'm not saying don't educate your children, but recognize that there's no, for me, this construct of remedial is, is not remedial. Is that you are unique and the current educational system may not be working for you. Find your way. And when the children are liberated and understand that it is – that they are not carrying some burden that says I am different because I'm not at the private school and I'm at this school and these kids looked at me like this and now I look at myself like that, they are literally just carrying the dysfunction of the parents into that school. Let that go. There is no label. There is no remedial school. They are where they are to express themselves in their own way. And when they can just feel that from the parents, that they haven't let the parents down, that they're not – Different or less than the other children Then they themselves will start to move In a far more easier way Children only take on the labels given by their parents They don't know the difference mm. They will find a friend very quickly When they are not carrying the burden Of what society or the culture Has said that this is who you are mm. Even drop the aspect of remedial school They're just at another school Stop looking And it's looking fulfilling
1: it. their need And it's serving them right Absolutely. now Absolutely you spoke when we were outside, before we came into the studio, um, about the fourth revolu- um, industrial revolution. Would you just mention
2: that? Oh, yes. So, so we were talking about the, the fourth industrial revolution from, from a, a human being perspective um, is really just a, a understanding is that we are no longer robotic. Any any job that a human being was doing that was robotic is being replaced by a machine. Call centers, apps are doing things that four or five people used to do. And this is just really a way that life is showing us that we need to evolve. We are moving beyond it. You know, people will talk about, yeah, we're no longer in this economy, that economy. We're in a knowledge economy and we're in a people economy. It's not even about that. It's about recognizing That as a human being, you are here to flourish, not to wake up and do the same thing on a Friday that you did on a Monday. That Wednesday or Tuesday night is not chops and chips night and relive (laughs) that every single day because – You know, I'll go back to those two terms that I used about nostalgia. You know, we're either in reflective nostalgia or restorative nostalgia. Reflective nostalgia says I went on a beautiful holiday. I loved it and I have beautiful memories from that. There was learning. There was experience. There was existence in that restorative nostalgia says, wherever I am right now, I have to keep repeating the past. And we see that in it's certain generations that will talk about, oh, when we did this or, you know, you should do it like this because when I was your age, which happened to be 40 years ago, <laughs> you know, we did it like that. That is restorative nostalgia. Mm. We, we believe that somehow in the past is better than the current present. And it destroys us because we are trying to take a current consciousness, a current reality, and let's say move it backwards. Life does not move backwards. We don't move backwards because we are life. Mm -hmm. We only have the ability to be present and continually move from this moment to the next moment.
1: Now, another question came through from someone whose um, husband is in a severe state of depression at the moment and doesn't, only sees... The darkness. So really, in a very bad dark night of the soul, and this is someone who who was a, is a strong person, and needs to find his strength and just recognize that the strength has not gone. You know, he's feeling that he has no strength at all, mm. and that uh, life is passing him by now, which is not true. So I see you also do something called high velocity training. We're going to get back to that in a moment.
0: This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: This is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Gavin Friedman, and we're talking about finding our why. You can SMS us on 34519, or you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. Gavin, I was asking you about this. Uh, your, your high-velocity training. Would, what is that, and would that help someone in a, in a severe depression? So
2: w- we coined the, the concept of high-velocity coaching because what we found was specifically with executives is that they don't have the luxury of time. They don't have the luxury of, you know, let's go through a six-, eight-month process to get to an outcome. You've got to be able to... Find yourself very quickly to make the decision. Specifically, you know, today's work environment is, is, is fluid. You know, we were talking outside, you know, while we're sitting here, Donald Trump could put one, one tweet out and the world's different. Oh. And so an executives today find themselves in a high pressure situation and high velocity coaching is when we are stressed, when we go into what we think is out of the norm, we go into our, Unconsciousness as such. So we we go into our pattern behavior, and when we go into our pattern behavior, we do what what Einstein kind of when he said you know doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. We go into that space, and that is where we find ourselves in turmoil. So the high velocity coaching, and this is what we 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 teach on the ontological course, is how to make that quick breakthrough, get that quick insight, that quick aha that takes someone out of inertia and allows them to do something that is in alignment with themselves, not a reactive move. There's no point in beating a drum because someone put a drum in front of you. You need to ask yourself, is the drum even the, the actual instrument I need? Maybe I need a guitar. Maybe I need a trumpet. But you've got to get out of the, the, the stagnation and build the inertia to take an inspired action. Mm-hmm. So that's the high-velocity coaching. When someone is in depression, there are there are multiple reasons for that. And I'm not going to talk about from the, psych- the psychologist or the clinical side. Mm. From an ontological perspective, depression comes from, A, one, not seeing possibilities. When, when we do not see ourselves and having a possibility, we tend to retreat because we start to ask ourselves, what's the point? We become resigned to life. Mm. And depression is the suppression of the system, the system being your body, your physiology. And we are Because we are emotional beings, our cells start to what happens after time is they become addicted to a certain chemical wash. Now, often people say, I don't want to be depressed. And maybe, maybe at that particular moment when they're declaring it, that's what they don't want to be. But what will happen is because their predominant chemical um, composition is one of a depressed state, Their cells start to crave that chemical. That's what they look for. So they'll keep creating a space to put the chemical wash in, makes you depressed and then you hold, you can, you kind of get into that and now that becomes your way of being. Mm. Can you get out of that? Most certainly. We do a personal transformation workshop over the weekend where I've seen on Multiple, in fact, beyond multiple occasions where people have been depressed, they come out and they move. This is not to say throw away your antidepressants right now. It's about it's about starting to wake up and see who you are. I've seen people wake up one morning, have an epiphany, no longer on antidepressants at all. Um, some people take a little bit longer. Is it something you can work with for sure? You are not a product of this for your rest of your Mm. life that has to be pharmacologically maintained.
1: And if it does have to be pharmacologically maintained, then you have to welcome the fact that there are
2: drugs out there that can help. For sure. One of the biggest reasons, and and, and in this particular person, is they're probably living into something of saying, I I was stronger now, I'm not strong Mm, anymore. Exactly. What, What they're not getting and is the understanding that if you want to really learn how strong you are, You go through something like this to display your strength. You are never, it's, there's no point in saying I'm resilient when the waters are flat. You want to experience life, you go down the, you go down the rapids. Mm -hmm. That's when life is exhilarating. So right now life is just giving this person an opportunity to realize their strength. Their strength will be to transition this. Their strength will be to transform this. Their strength is going to come when they have refined themselves sufficiently that they move through and they recognize, you know what? I am strong. I am powerful. I was in the situation, and I transformed it. I moved through it. I didn't resist it. Life didn't get the better of me. I'd simply recognized that I'm part of life, and I can transition through this.
1: And it's a matter of then working with life, not against life. Absolutely.
2: As mm. I said earlier, life is happening for you. Life mm. is never happening to you. Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Now, if you're in a, a, a business uh, situation, um, so often, uh, there's this quote by Jung who says, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Now, I love that quote because so often, if you go into a business or you go into any workplace, actually, or even homes, mm. uh, people will say, oh, this person really irritates me. And And have a lot to say about the business, the bosses or the people that they're working with. And it's often behind the person's Mm -hmm. back. So I know that you also wrote something uh, at one stage on Facebook about gossip, which was very good. It was very uh, meaningful. What In a a workplace with gossip, how would you actually work with that? So so
2: I think there are two things, yeah. And when my business partner put out that that particular post, it was something that's been very close to my heart is that, Gossip is is just the fundamental way of you trying to justify your dysfunction. So you're unhappy and you're going to talk about other people to try to justify yourself and your unhappiness. What what Jung is saying is is that everything in life is a mirror to who we are. We live in a vibrational universe. We live in a vibrational world. Whatever we are putting out, we see in others. So if I'm seeing someone and they are irritating me because of their anger, I have to look at myself and say, where am I angry? Mm -hmm. Because if I, if their anger is perturbing me, somewhere inside of me, I'm saying I'm not comfortable with my anger. Or there's the other aspect of, you know, this particular person is such a bully. Well, maybe they're trying to, it's a reflection for you to say, where are you not speaking your truth? Mm -hmm. We, you know, we so often look at the other person, we say, they irritate me because of, instead of looking at ourselves and saying, why is this perturbing me? Maybe I'm considering them as arrogant because I myself don't want to show up. So I say they shouldn't be so arrogant because I am not comfortable with the fact that I don't make a stand for myself.
1: That's very true. And Khalil Gibran actually said our worst fault is our preoccupation with the faults of others.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it goes – we always get taught this every – In in all of our teachings, whether the spiritual teachings or the psychological teachings, it's all about the same thing, is that the more we look at others and we try to fashion our lives on them and we try to see what others would do, the more we lose ourselves. Mm -hmm. Life is not about comparing ourselves to others. Life is about living yourself fully and the others will resonate with you or not.
1: So in your work, you do coaching, uh, general coaching and businesses. Mm. You do personal coaching and then with children. How do you work? Do you work on a one-to-one or do you work, um, with a group of kids? So, so what the, is better?
2: So the Saw Institute runs, uh, we, we multifaceted. So we, we do besides the, the coaching, we do a lot of leadership development, team development, organizational development. That, that's really probably the, The biggest thrust of our business we do the one-on-one coaching and but our team interventions in terms of organizations of leadership and management and then the 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 children the the children's workshops is run by um two very competent um people within our organization they run a a workshop called spark and it's a two-day over the weekend Intervention where the kids come through and the and they work with the kids in finding themselves, empowering themselves, and the kids. So, what
1: age are we looking at here?
2: Um, f- generally, from the ages of seven through to around about thirteen. As young as yeah. that. Eh? So we have we have we have like kind of three tiers. We do young kids from seven to thirteen, and then we do teenagers from the older teenagers in terms of development. And we're busy putting together something now for that little lost group of 14 to 18-year-olds because there seems to be a gap where those kids are not really being held. Yes, and they are really searching right
1: now with our social media and bullying and everything.
0: This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Gavin Friedman and we've been having a wonderful time talking and exchanging ideas and your ideas are really fascinating, Gavin. If you would like to contact us, you can at 34519 or you can telegram us on 61 Now, Gavin, what are the benefits of actually knowing our why and our purpose?
2: I think... You know, we've alluded to it over over our conversation, but, but to distill it down is that I, I'll probably sum it up from from what a lot of motivational speakers talk about. And just to, to maybe draw that distinction, coaching is not motivational speaking. People often tell me, am I in the motivation business? Motivation is an extrinsic kind of approach to life. Um, but th- this particular saying I, I think really resonates with me. It says, when the why is big enough, The how becomes easy. Hmm. And it's in the, in that understanding from a deeper organizational and even personal level, when we know why we're here, when we know why, why we do what we do, why our our bigger why, not, you know, not do this because why, because I say so. No, from the real fundamental of who we are, the why, the biggest sense of the why, suddenly whatever comes our way fits into that context. And if something can fit into your context, you no longer resist it. You recognize it and you're willing to work with it in order for you to transition. So a purpose, a, you know, the, 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 that French saying is so it's so beautiful, your raison d'être, mm. you know, your reason, reason for life, life. Mm. Is, is so vital for you. We, we are not put here to just go haphazardly into that dark night. We are most certainly not. We are here to experience full joy, full bliss, and that comes mm. from knowing your why. It's so true. And next week
1: uh, is actually Tuber the the uh, birthday of trees. And um, there was a lovely thing that uh, Rabbi Sachs actually said. It's not our task to conquer or convert the world or enforce uniformity or belief. It is our task to be a blessing to the world.
2: Sure. You know, that, I- that in itself is so profound because when we come through giving of ourselves, That is when the world shifts to a higher consciousness. When we come to dictate how people need to be in order for the world to be okay, that is when we go completely against life. Nature and and, and in the trees, as an example, the tree just grows. It takes its potential from the seed and it chooses to grow into a tree. Human beings want to say, I need to be the tree before I can bear fruit. It doesn't work that way. So
1: let's all plant seeds. And sure. h- and watch them grow. And even if we're not here to watch them grow, let's just know that someone else will be sitting in the shade one day of the That's all tree. we can do. Beautiful. Gavin, please give your email address and your phone number.
2: Great. So uh, email address is Gavin, G-A-V-I-N, at Soar Institute, S-O-A-R. Institute.co.za.
1: Is that one word? One Saw word yeah.
2: Institute. word. Institute.co.za. And
1: your phone number?
2: So my phone number, office lines just changed, so I need to quickly just look it up and I'll tell you now.
1: And we will be leaving this at the front desk as well, these numbers. So if you want to contact the High FM front office, please do so.
2: I'll give you my cell phone number. It's uh, 82 mm-hmm. 443 mm-hmm. 16 33.
1: And when is your next course just as a matter of an interest?
2: So the next uh, personal development course is on the 21st to the 22nd of February mm-hmm. and then our ont- our training of ontological coaches if if you feel that you want to go into that kind of Method, uh, th- this way of, of being and creating significant change in the world Starts in the middle of March And people can contact me and I'll give them the details on that coaching Great. course Great,
1: thanks so much We're going to be ending with a song by Mordechai Shapiro One in a Million